are. I think we are back. I don't know what we're back from. We're back <laughs> from the future. We're back oh, from the, that was last week. <laughs> uh, so let's go ahead and let's just do a brief introduction. Uh, first, the premise, then maybe the, the, the parties involved today. So the premise here is that, well, you actually need to do the introductions of the people first in order to make that work. We think ladies first. Ladies, well, let's actually, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to sound really unchivalrous now. So I'm going to go back and just reintroduce that and I'll edit that part. <laughs> ladies first, I go, no, we have to do it in this order. There's a reason for it. I'm not as important as you two. It's there fine. we go. So, uh, so um, cheese. Let's start off with the introductions, because that makes a lot of sense for what we're going to do going forward. So, uh, my name is Ian. And my name is Liam. And the premise of this is that we started this off because um, a couple Christmases ago, I gave you a poster that said, here are the top 100, supposedly, top films in the world. Yep. And we made the decision that we were going to watch all 100 films together. And we're, what, five in? Well, we were about five, six, seven, (laughs) maybe seven in. It's It's not many. But we decided... After a year and two months, or which point we got through like seven films, we should at least be documenting this because yeah. do we actually think these are the hundred grand? Some have been disappointing. I'm, I'm going to be honest Very with that. Some of them have been hard to watch, and some of them have been, you know, I don't think I'd ever watch again. No, no. <laughs> so, apocalypse now. Apocalypse. Apocalypse <laughs> the now. Version. Apocalypse. Wow. Yeah. Or yeah. now. I don't know how to make now. Now is now. I, that was bad. Uh, but we're joined today. Uh, we discovered after doing our, our original episode. How do you think that went, Liam? Our, our, our first, our pilot episode, our, our trial. Uh, well, you went great. Uh, me, I seem to go, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, A lot of the time. So I'm going to try not to go, yeah, yeah, yeah. This so, time. so for those of you at home, the game we are playing is how many times does Liam say yeah, yeah, yeah? Please feel free to hit us up at Best Film Ever Pod on the Twitter and let us know how many times did Liam say yeah, yeah, yeah? This is going to turn into the new drinking game. Uh, <laughs> Take a shot every time Liam says yeah, please, yeah, yeah. Please uh, don't overindulge. I hear the hospitals are busy with much more important problems these days. <laughs> uh, so we found out last time, though, that there were moments where we felt we knew what we were talking about. And we needed to reach out to a third party. Yeah. So we more or less created a unofficial fact check station. Yeah. And we thought, well, wouldn't it be great if we had, like, fact check corner? Countdown has dictionary corner. We have fact check corner where someone could come in if they wanted to hang out with us for an episode. And, uh, you know, to do the heavy lifting so we could just go ahead and do what we want. But chip in occasionally. As we just ramble. As we ramble. And who do we have in Fact Check Corner today, Liam? We have Georgia. Hello. There we go. Georgia in Fact Check Corner. You were in Fact Check Corner last time around, and you were, you were very helpful in uh, some, some key debates. Was it two minutes or ten? And we determined that I was right. Actually, we determined and, that it was 11 minutes, and both of the, you and the film are wrong. No, but we determined that Marty McFly says ten minutes. Yes, but the film is Okay, wrong. no, so I was right in my memory of... So why do I still think it's two minutes? I thought it was two minutes. Uh, I, sure, I swear I heard two minutes. We well, need to rewatch that. I, 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 once we get through the, the hundred, <laughs> we can go back and watch. Give it 15 years. <laughs> Maybe we're lucky, and if we do number two, it'll actually bring that part back for some reason. That may do. Yeah. yeah. So, um, how's things? I mean, as we sit here in March, I was going to say 2018, that's not even remotely close. Yeah. March 2020. Um, Gone grocery shopping lately? There's not much of anything on some no, of the shelves. No, it's hardly anything. Uh, Lee rolls are all gone. Paracetamol is all gone. Crusty bread is all gone. That's all um, I asked for. Crusty bread and bacon rashers. I know. Got one of them. And there was one packet of bacon rations left. And I took that bacon ration 
and I dived it with my life. My sister sent me. My sister sent me a picture from Canada, and it's 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 worse there. And I was like, oh, go to the small shops. They don't apparently they don't have small shops in Canada. Because <laughs> I was thinking, you know, like your Wellington Village shop or like your B and Q things where you might actually B&Q. go to find B and Q is kind of small, isn't it? Yeah, B&Q but it's so... a homeware yeah. store. No, but you can like get toilet paper store. there. I hear. Can you? That's what I'm hearing. I don't think you can get. That's what I'm hearing. Sure you're not saying Q wow. If you're looking for, I some had no Google, idea. B and Q. B and Q. Loo roll and paint. Loo roll and paint. Yeah. Thank you for your new role. There you go. <laughs> this episode not sponsored by Thank You. So, um, you, as we know, own your own record shop. I do. Retro uh, Records and Toys. Retro Records and Toys. For all your retro needs. Not your Lou Roll needs, but <laughs> your retro needs. That's right. Uh, I, I, I work in a high school, and I actually had, this week, I had to a, um, teach students how to wash their hands by singing Happy Birthday. Twice. If you can sing Happy Birthday twice, that's the amount of time you should wash your hands in order to make sure your hands are clean and free from the coronavirus. Mm. Not staying alive then. Not staying alive. <laughs> We're trying to stay alive. <laughs> Sorry, I was wrong. <laughs> um, but then I came across this. Uh, well, I was watching John Oliver actually, and it, it, he broadcast this Vietnamese. Corona song, which I played for you guys just before we, we, we hit record. It's actually quite catchy. It is quite catchy. Mm. I think I may use it as the intro and outro music to this thing. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't know the Amelie score. Do you know the Amelie no, score? No, I have no idea. Something artsy fartsy, I guess. Uh, it's French. So, um, that's what's going on in the world. Uh, it's a little bit It's a little bit surreal. We, we may end up just locking ourselves in here and doing another like 40 episodes. If Wouldn't we get self-contained. Yeah, yeah, yeah be all right. Yeah. Yeah. And get through most of the film. We get through most. We we did through more than seven. Did anybody just know? I just said yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> right, <laughs> did, hang on. Did, did you catch it? Let's go ahead. Hang on. Let me keep a tally. George is going to keep a tally. I'm very aware that I keep saying it now. And after I've said it, all right. <laughs> not not ahead of time though. No, no, <laughs> you can't stop yourself from saying it. All right. So, uh, so I do that. But Georgia, you work kind of in the same field. Yeah, I work in a nursery. You work in a nursery, so you get them at like what age? Uh, between. Birth and five. Birth and five. Yeah. Okay. Mostly two, three, fours. Two, three, fours. And then like seven or eight years go by and they end up where I'm at. Yeah. And I don't actually see them for another two years because I mainly get, you know, 10 through 13. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. We've had to teach ours how to wash their hands as well. So basically, the education system is repetition of the same thing from age two, three till 14, 15 is my form. Yeah, pretty much. Um, we It's easier with three-year-olds, though. You just wash their hands for them. Just, like, get them under the tap and soak. Oh, see, so you did a Liam. I did do you a Liam. I'm really sorry. on the table and went boom, 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 boom. It's because I was trying to write down Liam's tally. Right. So, um, and just quickly, uh, a couple more things. Films. We would like to talk a little bit about what's going on in the film world. I haven't seen any films in the cinema lately. Have you? I went to see Bloodshot last night. Did you? Yeah. I've never heard of Bloodshot. No, me either. He's part of the uh, Marvel Universe, I believe. No. Um, yeah. Fact checkers got her phone out. Yeah, please fact check that because okay. I'm not crazy on this. Vin Diesel plays the lead. Hmm. And because uh, I was going to go down the Marvel route with my movie news. Oh, was you? I was. I was. What? What news? I mean, you? it's Columbia Pictures, so Columbia I highly Pictures, doubt that not MCU, that's not it, MCU. Is it? It's not even DCEU because no. that would be. Well, Warner Brothers, but it's comic book character, maybe. He is a comic book character. And overall, what was the feeling? Do you like it? Do you know what? Overall, it was, action-wise, it was great, right? But I knew what was coming. We like to play that at the end. I knew what what was coming. And then 
you know, you're, you're ahead of the film five times. Oh, fact checker? Valiant Comics. Valiant Comics. Oh, I knew it was a comic book character. Yes. A valiant attempt. So I'd heard Carl talk about it from Retro Records and Toys. Retro Records and Toys. <laughs> For all your retro <laughs> Hey, Carl. Once again, Carl's not listening to this. <laughs> we went soft, he doesn't listen to it yet. Yeah. Um, so, we like to play at the end of the episode the whole, like, how old are they game, but I, while we're bringing this up and the fact that I set the phone out, um, how old's Vin Diesel? I'm going to say 47. Okay, I'm going to go over and considerably. I'm going to say Vin Diesel is at least five years older than that. I'm going to say he's at least 52. Oh, wow. And? And we have a correct answer. He is 52. Well, <laughs> well, damn, yeah. You don't want to brought it up. I fucking want to memorize the name, uh, ages of actors just in case this comes up. Okay, fun fact though. Who knows his real name? Vin Diesel. Um, Vin Unleaded. No. Um, no that wasn't funny. No one's going to laugh at they that. They are going to laugh at that. Really just because you don't have headphones, you can't tell that this is funny. I Vince. can. I can hear you. Oh, you Vince. do have headphones, yes. Vince Venezuela. Nope, it's nothing like Vincent... it. Vincent... DiCaprio. He's Leo's secret older brother. Yeah. Nope, he is Mark Sinclair. Mark Shut Sinclair. Up. That's Get his real that. name, Mark, Mark Sinclair. Sinclair. Yep. Known professionally as Vin Diesel. Wow. He sounds like an IT guy, Mark Sinclair. Mark, yeah, Mark, he does. Mark <laughs> Sinclair or St. Clair? Sinclair? Sinclair. Sinclair. S-I-N-C-L-A-I-R? That's the one. Yeah. Mark, Mark Sinclair. Dwayne Johnson. <laughs> <laughs> Like, are those still... the two nerdiest guys you expect to see in a film? And then those two, those two lads show up? Jeez. So I was going to talk about comic book movies because we are only a couple of weeks away in Britain from Disney Plus hitting. Oh, yeah. yeah. Which, is, which is quite a big deal, I think. We've been watching and hearing about other countries, Canada and the US and parts of Europe, uh, have had Disney Plus for months and months and months now. And then we'll have it at our disposal, I think, it's like March 24th. It'll be interesting to see how much of an impact it has on Netflix. Yeah, 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 and what that, what that does. And there's some series coming out. I mean, there's WandaVision, and there's, um, oh, what are the other ones? Loki, and then there's uh, Falcon, and... Mandalorian, I'm looking forward to. Well, man, yeah, that's not really MCU, but Mandalorian is... Sorry, I was exciting. just talking Disney+. Plus. No, it's okay, yeah. It is and... March 24th. Uh, so, the reason... Why... for my birthday. The reason... There you go. The reason why I wanted to bring this up, though, is because... We are just weeks away from really the first MCU film we've had since Spider-Man. And it feels like we've been in a bit of a hangover since Avengers Endgame. And the question is, are you even remotely interested in uh, Black Widow? Because I'm not. There's been zero publicity for it, which is a shame. Yeah, true. Is it because um, it's a female lead, though? Who no, knows? I'm more interested in the female leads. <laughs> I am, too. Is I'm it, oh, being I'm so a more female, female, female but... Is it, is it because it's a female lead? Well, is it because the buzz for that went to Captain Marvel? Or is it because we know the character's ultimate fate? And is it... It, does it, it feels like a token gesture to mm. give Scarlett Johansson a lead film after the character dies, doesn't it? It's exactly what it is, yeah. Yeah. There's been... I haven't seen... A single poster, a single advert for it. I have all. seen a poster. I saw a poster last night at the cinema. Yeah. But it was in a random area. But not prominent I in any way, shape, or I mean, or there form. was a bit of buzz when the trailer dropped, but I haven't seen that like it spread around or shared or anything no, like not that. not seen it as a, like an ad on YouTube or anything, yeah. which usually you would with yeah. a film. Where Wonder Woman is like yeah. everywhere. In my class, I have to teach a bunch of theorists to the students, and one of them is a guy called Henry Jenkins, and it says if it doesn't spread 
it's dead. And I guess the, the, it's about fandom. And the gimmick is if people aren't sharing it, no one's going to see it, and therefore it's not going to be a wise business decision. True. Like, you know, Spider-Man was a big tentpole kind of franchise to go ahead and do for your first post-Endgame film. Um, if the buzz isn't there, and I, I got I, the next couple of films coming out on um, the MCU's docket don't really look that interesting to me. There's nothing that gets like the the buzz going. So, are we in danger of? But how long has this been going on? For? I mean, I mean, at the end of the day, though, are you and I gonna probably go see most of these films? Probably. We tend to. I was, <laughs> yeah. I'm not, not trying to put the spot. Come on, Liam, go with me, would you? Yeah, <laughs> so, I'm going. Yeah, yeah, we will. Yeah. But so, no, we probably will. But I'm not like it's not appointment viewing like it was. It's no, not like. No. The, the maybe the it's it's spoiled game, the last it? year and a half. It's not Endgame. Yeah, it's not Infinity War. But think. Think of how we've had it rammed down our throats for the last 10, 12 years. The bubble has to burst at some point. Yeah, just like there's at one point there's too many disaster movies and we yeah, stopped yeah. there. And at one point there two. was too many raunchy yeah, R rated comedies. Oh, we've got two, two years. I'm, I'm not even paying attention to you. I'm really sorry. Liam. Well, then that makes you in line with the audience, probably. <laughs> <laughs> Both of them. <laughs> now um, people are going to argue I said it three times because I repeated myself to tell you no okay uh, no, replays, we're going with... replays and admissions don't count no, towards the yeah, no, yeah, count. No. I'm going to put my executive producer foot down on that and if there's anybody out there listening and would like a t-shirt of this yeah 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 you're more than welcome let, let us know <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll dock at you up one for some obscenely marked up price because we're doing a run of one <laughs> who knows um and so, I mean, I think the things I'm really excited about are the ones that are on Disney Plus, back to the MCU, and uh, because they're, they're known characters, aren't they? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, like WandaVision. That looks great. But again, another one. I'm really curious to see what they do with Vision, because Vision's supposed to be, you know, dead. Spoilers. Spoilers, if you didn't see yeah. Endgame, Endgame or Infinity War. No one's talking about Tony, but Vision and Natasha both But die. again, do you think they rushed to get in that Endgame out to get everybody all together? You know, to have... Um, Robert Downey Jr. on board. You know, it was to it was to get everybody in rather than extending it out. I think it was the right time. I don't think they could have delayed it much more than they did. It was already a year after Infinity War. People wanted the answers. So that's film news. I don't know if there's anything else really big that's coming out on the horizon. Talking of Disney Plus, um, the release of Frozen Two on it has been brought forward by three months on there to calm people in this time of panic. Oh, okay. So it's kind of Disney's way of going, sorry, we're closing all of our parks for the first time in history at the same time. Um, here's Frozen 2, three months early. They are aware that the coronavirus doesn't like hot weather. So I think the frozen climate of Frozen... For everyone not in this room, I just rolled my eyes really heavily. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't notice I was in the room, so that's okay. Um... So then we've got, let's, oh, just a couple of uh, corrections from last week, because there's a couple of things we said, and I've had a week to think about it, some things we said about Back to the Future. Mm. I've changed my mind on the, is the, the Doc Brown we meet at the start of the film, does, is he, does he remember the 1950s interactions mm. with Marty? And I said, no, no, I don't think, I think there are different timelines. No, I, I think he does. I think he does, yeah. because when Marty goes back to the future, so when he returns to 1985, um, he sees another version of Marty driving away. So for all we know, there was another version of Marty in the initial timeline watching him from off to the side, and we're in an endless loop. 
Yeah. And therefore, if that exists... And if he'd looked out of his window to look and see, he would have seen himself. But obviously, he's not looking for himself, so you wouldn't see it. Because if you're Doc Brown and you know this is happening, why do you buy the plutonium from the Libyans again? Like, you'd change something, wouldn't you? You would. Unless this is the loop. Yeah. And little small details like twin pines, single pines, five pines, whatever you want to call them all, might get corrected. But at the end of the day... Those events always have to occur. And also, in our last podcast, you said 25 years. It's actually 30 years. For what? 55 to 85, 85 to 2015. What are we talking about? The years between the the time jumps. Well, it's 30 years each direction. Yeah, yeah. You said 25. Doc Brown Brown wanted to go forward 25 years, he says, to 2010. Are we still on this? Oh, does he? I wasn't. I'm not arguing this. What I am going to argue He does go to 2015 in Back to the Future 2. Okay. Sorry, this is the headphone problem. Yeah, this is the headphone problem because you're not listening to me at all. Um, oh, brain stopped. That's embarrassing, isn't it? <laughs> Back to my point. No, 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 years. I remembered it. I remembered it. <laughs> so also, on that note, we pointed out last week that he has a clock in the opening shot of him hanging off the clock tower, yeah. which obviously he wouldn't have in that timeline if he didn't know that that happened in the past. Right, and the that's... question we were... Tra- I, I think I was kind of confessing that at the very first Yeah, that's what I mean. This. Uh, the, the, the thing I was trying to reconcile in my brain was, is that a nod by the filmmakers to tip us off? Or is that a conscious decision by the character Doc Brown? And at first, I was going, that's what the filmmakers are doing to tip us off and kind of exists outside of Doc Brown's actual character. I've now seen the light and have changed my perspective on that's that. That's good. Yeah, well, you know, it's good. I think uh, it's too obvious to be just a little Easter yeah. egg by film producers. It's too specific. Another mistake I made last week while we're listening up is I think I erroneously said outside of Back to the Future what other major 80s things can you really think of that have staying power and then I went Indiana Jones E.T. E.T. and Star Wars Beverly Hills Cop maybe yeah Mm -hmm. so I think I kind of misspoke and as much as I wanted to make Back to the Future the consummate 80s film I think I uh, jumped uh, out of the way and was almost speaking a different language. <laughs> and as I use nice that, I'm now segue. going to segue into this week's movie, which is Amelie. I have not seen Amelie. Liam, have you seen Amelie? Nope, I have not seen it either. Georgia, have you seen Amelie? I haven't seen Amelie, no. That's Ooh. three people not seen Amelie. We have a spectator on the couch who has seen Amelie and brought us a DVD copy of it. Uh, the, uh, apparently, Total Film said, quite simply, it's perfect. Film of the year. Amelie. A film by Jean-Pierre Jeunet. It did win Film of the Year, didn't it? Uh, film of the Year is a strange... I don't think it's an actual technical award. I did do some research on it, though. And I could have some things to sort of talk about. Um, this is the thing where I play... What do you think the IMDb rating was for Amelie? Seven. Seven? 8.3. Which, if you consider Back to the Future, was 7.4, yeah. I think, last week. It's saying something. Rotten Tomatoes, as we'd say in my country, or Rotten Tomatoes, as you would say in yours. Tomatoes. Rotten Tomatoes. Um, six and a half. It's out of it's, out, it's a percentage. Oh, percentage, yeah. yeah. 65%. <laughs> 80. I like how you move the decimal there. <laughs> That's clever. It's uh, maths there. 88%. So, really, all I know really about Amelie is uh, the actress Audrey Tatu who's the one who's facing on the front cover. I think she's done some stuff in mainstream Hollywood, but really this seems to be kind of... Everyone knows the the, the, the poster, the front of the case, that mm-hmm. image. I know the poster. Yeah. So Amelie made for $10 million and took in $172 million gross worldwide. Uh, nominated for five Oscars. Didn't win any, but it was nominated for five. Did, didn't win foreign language films, surprisingly enough. Mm. You would have thought it would have. Yeah. 
because it has the legacy. But it did win two BAFTAs, including one for Best Screenplay. So, foreign language film. Any experience with them before? No. No? I have seen Pan's Labyrinth and thoroughly enjoyed it. Oh, Maybe. I have. Um, Wages of Fear. Okay. It's a 60s, I think, early 60s or late 50s film um, about truck drivers. And that's French. Yeah. I saw Phantom Menace that had a lot of... Uh... <laughs> No, 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 can't do and things like that. Uh, but in all honesty, I did a uh, in university. I did a fascism in film course, and so it was a lot of Italian and French sort of films, all kind of based around World War Two. Uh, some that dealt with the Holocaust in pretty significant uh, ways. Not you can do it in an insignificant way, but like just difficult things to watch. But really, for me, there was never a barrier reading the text on the screen while I watch a film. It never was a a, a turn off for me. What was that film? I watched it in school. I can't even remember what it's called, but it's black and white. Yeah. And it's a girl in a red jacket, red coat. Schindler's List? No, the whole film is black and white. But okay. all you see is this girl in a red coat. I'm sure it's Schindler's List. Is it? No, that was before Schindler's List. Schindler's List was all shot in black and white. Was it? And there was one scene of a girl in a red coat. Oh, I've, ne- I've, I've never seen it. I've either. never seen yeah. it. I've never seen it either. yeah. But yeah. I do remember... Um, we had to sit in a class and watch a snippet of this film. Liam's taking a look at the picture and trying to decide if this is the one he's talking about. Maybe. That, I is, thought, that is Schindler's List. I'll be honest, I thought it was a French film. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. I, for some reason, I think of a red balloon as well. I don't... Oh. I don't know. Don't know. It, seemed, it, it does seem like a, like, a, like a French art film kind yeah. of trope, doesn't it? The balloon. Yeah. Only one, though. Not uh, 99 of them. <laughs> no, that's German. That's German. <laughs> 99 balloons. So let's just set this up with IMDb's introduction. Then we're going to go ahead and start um, watching. Uh, we're told that Amélie is an innocent, naive girl in Paris with her own sense of justice. She decides to help those around her and along the way discovers love. Oh, that sounds like uplifting it things. It's better it not be better than the pianist. I was going to say, it better not be like the pianist. <laughs> We're like, oh, it's a movie about a piano player. Yeah. Very much not the case. So, tell you folks, we are going to go ahead now and we are going to watch Amalie. And we're going to see how we feel about that. We'll be back in the blink of an ear and we'll uh, <laughs> see. Uh, if, if if it holds up, or if, if if we and see if we have the same views or different views, and... it'd be great if we like like really passionately like yeah. different. Like you're like this is the greatest film I ever made, and I'm like this is a <laughs> stain on the legacy of film itself. <laughs> I really hope one of us just hates the film. Me too, but don't buy the synopsis. I don't think I'm going to. I predict that we're going to generally um, find it quite. Yeah. All right. I think so. So we'll be back in about 15 seconds, please, folks. All right. We are back. And that was Amalie we just sat through. Mm. Uh, without any big sort of overarching things. First impressions on, I guess? To start with, I found it hard to follow because I was reading too much, too quickly, not taking in the visuals. Um, once you slowly get into it and you start picking out certain bits with the the dialogue, because having the, the French over it and having the, 
the written dialogue underneath and watching the visual because it's a very visual movie <laughs> and uh, for me I struggle to read and watch and absorb everything in but after a while you kind of get used to it and you kind of sink into it yeah it gets easier now for such a quirky movie and it tried to be really quirky and clever with yeah. the narration uh, if you're reading it as opposed to hearing it yeah uh, I think that was challenging very. just to read and get all the, all the sort of witty moments yeah while at the same time visually taking in what's what you're actually supposed to be reading about uh, I struggled in the first 15 minutes of that George any, any first thoughts I can't say I actually found it particularly difficult, but I don't know if that's just. I might. I'm. I it's might just read different. Thing. I might <laughs> read differently. Um, Multitouch. She's probably looking at her phone while she was doing it too. Yeah. Me, I was like, I mean, I tried to take. No- I'm. I'm glad you actually didn't take notes. For obviously, pe- people at home, you don't know this, but uh, Liam and I were talking beforehand about do we take notes? Do we not take notes? And you were going to take notes, but chose not to in the end. Yeah, only because um, I'd never seen the film before, and I didn't think I'd be able to uh, remember the intricacies of it but I remember <laughs> um, yeah whereas I was actually taking notes and uh, there's some things I'm not, obviously I'm very much going to have to go what I miss here because I was writing something down and uh, I thought I'd take less notes than I did for Back to the Future I'm not sure that's the case yeah. but I'm trying to walk through so tell you what let's walk through the film kind of bit by bit we can say what we like what we didn't like please obviously just feel free to just jump in with some stuff I'm just going to sort of take us through a little bit so, uh, okay, so that introductory montage where, uh, if I had a criticism early on, it would be that every character who we meet, and we meet like a thousand characters, it feels like in the first three minutes, the quirky thing they wanted to do was tell us what they like and what they don't like, but it was just this never-ending list of, you know, little factoids about characters that for the most part weren't brought up again. You know, so-and-so mm. likes to, you know... Um, I'm trying to think of an example. So and so likes the feeling of a warm bubble bath, but hates seeing men embarrassed in front of their children at the cafe. Yeah, and I'm just going, okay, is that going to tie in? And for the most part, it didn't. No. On, a, on a very few characters, it did, but but it was very much the, mi- the minority. Yeah. Uh, it taught you a lot about the characters without telling you much, though. Yeah, but it, it, you learned who they were straight away. Some of the minor like characters three. even weren't revisited. It was or it was very challenging. I, I really struggled with the characters who we met in the cafe. Yeah some of the patrons and I think the natural dialogue of the film got me there eventually but I struggled at that point am I alone in thinking because it opens with two champagne glasses kind of bobbing up and down on the table and then we go to somewhere else and then we say how uh, Amelie was conceived on that same day am I alone in thinking that the two champagne glasses that were bobbing up and down on the table are her parents conceiving her oh absolutely yeah yeah. okay let's check that (laughs) because it's revisited later with um, to the other people. Yeah. Uh, the one thing I did pick up is that the father dislikes peeing next to somebody else. <laughs> I dislike peeing next to somebody. I do too. Yeah. <laughs> it's a bit off-putting. It is. Now I imagine with, with with ladies you have stalls, and I don't know if it's that much the same of a mental barrier. But when you're a guy and you're shoulder to shoulder, yeah, that's uh, that can be there's, off-putting. There's, there's a, an unwritten toilet etiquette in there. Absolutely. Like, if there's like a <laughs> bank of them. You 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 respect the one urinal space code. <laughs> well, actually, you go for like you go to the far left or the far right, yeah. or then the middle, and then you, like it's a roll of the like furthest nine. away you can. <laughs> it's a roll of nine. I might do two, so I'm not hunched right up against the wall. <laughs> yeah. But if say if you walk into a bathroom, there's only three urinals or urinals, as you might say in this country. Is that right? You say urinal. Here? Urinal, yeah. yeah. Um, and if it's just three, I mean, you're taking 
option one or option three, but you're never taking option two. No. Or moreover, if you come in and someone's in or using in, someone's using <laughs> urinal number one, you okay. don't rock up to urinal number two. <laughs> no. That happened to you in spoons a couple of weeks back. I'm like, dude, respect the code. <laughs> Clearly has no, no code of conduct. I'd just like to point out, we are currently reviewing the movie and we've got to urinal etiquette. Yes. Okay. Thanks, boys. Um, okay, so let's talk. Did anybody else feel that Amalie was a little bit of that quirky girl-itis, that, like Zoe Deschanel-itis, if you will? I really liked it. Oh, right. What's her deal? Oh, she's the quirky girl. Is there anything else about her besides that? Mm. Uh, that's yeah. the point. That's the whole Tif- point. It was very Breakfast at Tiffany's, wasn't yeah. it? And I enjoyed Breakfast at Tiffany's more than this, yeah. to be fair. I have a visually, I'm though, disagree with both of you quite strongly it's throughout this. It's a great this. movie, visually. It's the colours and the sh- frames of the shots. and oh. So it starts with Amelie is homeschooled because she, can't, she has a heart defect. She doesn't actually have a heart defect. Yes, yeah. I think that was... Yeah. Yeah. somewhat clear but that's the reason they're given for why she's homeschooled yeah. and she does okay then she's out uh, on a trip with her mum and it's established very very early that Amelie has a very very overactive imagination at this point do we therefore have to go we can't trust anything we're told in the whole film yeah do you know what I mean take everything with a pinch of we salt we see so much through her eyes that I think there's, there's certain elements we go I don't know if we can really uh, trust that uh, I will say this the girl who played young Amelie I thought was fantastic yeah, she was really uh, good. I loved the idea about when she goes out with this portable camera and takes some pictures and the <laughs> neighbors talk her into convincing that uh, everything that she took pictures of are her fault. So she's watching the news and thinking she's caused all these catastrophes. All these catastrophes yeah. So she gets her revenge by sitting on the roof and like pulling out the antenna for the TV, right? The critical parts of the football match. That's right, yeah. To which point I want to know, how does Amelie know from on the roof when someone's about to score? Because she's got the radio on. She's listening to it. She's wow. listening, she's to, listening to it live. See, that's the advantage when you don't have to read the bottom because she she, she knew what was going on because she speaks French. <laughs> yeah. That was, that was did you guys really struggle with that that much? I did, yeah. That's really strange. What, reading the French? No, reading the English. Reading the English, yeah. But like reading the English and watching the whole uh, whole screen. A little bit, maybe. Yeah. That's maybe. really strange because I, I can't say that it was an issue for me at all. I don't know whether that's a just a visual thing, but I could see that and process what was going on. What do you mean? But I'm 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 me when I watch things. I'm more visual anyway, not not words. I I I can read things through pictures and yeah. stuff. So for me, um, I was struggling to read at the bottom to look at the visuals because I'm used to visuals. Yeah. Well, I didn't find I had to actively read it. It was just I. It was going in as I was watching the film. I thought it was really interesting that um, the film uses the backdrop of the death of Princess Diana yeah, as sort of like a way to mark time. It's a 2001 film, but we take this moment from 1997, yeah. and yet you have Amalie kind of completely ignore it, and she's picking up newspapers that have it splashed all over the front page, but she's picking apart this little thing in the bottom right-hand corner, and everybody else around her is talking about Princess Di and Dodie. and she doesn't engage with it. And to be fair, I thought they were going to engage that more in the film as it went on. But it kind of fizzled. It's just another starting it point that gives a... you Amelie's different. Yeah. She doesn't see the world the way everyone else does. Well, it's yeah. interesting. It's because they set you up and they go, 1997, Princess yeah. Di dies. It's the day my life changed forever. And you're thinking, oh, this is going to be something big. Yeah. And actually, all she does is she drops something. I forget what it was. She was carrying something and it rolls away from her and it knocks off a tile in her bathroom. 
And she pulls out this box, and it's a bunch of boys' children's toys from 40, 50 years ago. And she decides she's going to track down who this box belongs to. And it takes her a few cracks at it because she's looking for a Dominique Bretodo. Or Bredotto. She thinks at first it's Bredotto. <laughs> and she gets through three. She looks up in the phone book and finds three of them. And one of them's way too young. One of them's a woman. And the other one's dead. And then we get introduced to one of our sort of side characters. The man of glass. The glass man. Yeah, the glass, yes. glass man. And he says, you've, you've got it backwards. It's not Bredotto. It's Bretodo. And she tracks him down. And um, he's overjoyed at finding these remnants of his boyhood. And it inspires him to go and reconnect with his daughter. And at this point, uh, Amelie decides she's going to start dedicating her life to being a do-gooder. She promised that if it changed this man's life, if she tracks him down, she would do good. And she decides now she's going to do good. Um, for a film like this, it's really all I kind of need, actually. Mm. As, as as a send-up and a premise, it was kind of out there, so I, I could buy in with it. Um did we mention that mom dies? Mom, yeah. dies? mom dies from a freak accident where a Quebecois woman lands on her while visiting yeah. some shrine. And dad kind of is a bit mean by going, well, we were going to travel, but then, you know, your heart defect. And you're like, oh, a bit harsh. And Ellie just goes, yeah, yeah, I know. I couldn't and really work out whether he, he missed her. Missed, or... missed his wife? Yeah. I think he does. Yeah, but they weren't, like, apparent, apparent. You know, like like the whole gnome thing. Yeah. It, well, well, there is this great thing yeah. where uh, it turns out mom hates this garden gnome he's had. So uh, dad's built a shrine to mom in the back garden. And he affixes this garden gnome to the top of the shrine. And uh, kind of puts <laughs> there, I guess, a bit of a eternal so there yeah. <laughs> to, his, to, to, his, to his departed missus. And um, as she's apt to do every weekend, uh, Amelie goes home, but she pries off the gnome and sends him off. We don't really know what she's doing. She just goes to the train station with him, and we kind of leave that alone for a bit, uh, which is kind of one of those million of quirky things that Amelie does throughout the film, where, she, oh, Amelie's got this weird idea. Is it going to pay off? Well, eventually, yes. Yeah. Eventually, yes. But you had to kind of be paying attention, and I think with so many different threads, a very fast-paced narrative style, and the subtitles, I was sitting there going, okay, I need to keep track of this, and yeah. this, and this, and this. Um, there's a lovely scene where she helps this old man cross the street who's blind. And she's so quick and fast-paced about everything. Now, again, it's one of those things that she's na- and she's naming all the things they're seeing as they cross the road. And this is another one of those things where I'm talking about the unreliable narrator that yeah. is um, Amelie. The things that she's saying are there. Do we think they all were actually there? Or is she giving him the most vivid adventure of crossing the street imaginable she's pointing out all the things that have probably changed since he's gone blind so she points out that the donkey singer's lost an ear she points out that there's new things in the window it's all things that he would have missed since turning blind is at least how i read it although we get shown what she sees we get shown them in this highly stylized version that could be imagination i don't think it is i think the imagination parts of it are quite clearly animated differently we do get very early, but she recesses back into her own imagination, and the blind person can't correct her as to what she's describing. So is this the perfect vehicle for Amelie to kind of take her adventurous, fictitious spirit and brighten someone else's day with something, even if it's not the truth? 
No, I maybe, think she'd but I, I, I like Georgia. I think it. I think that was just that was she just was just taking truth. him on a journey of um, his life is so slow paced, and that's why everything sped up. I'm going to dig my heels on that one. If anybody out there agrees with my side of things, known as the right side of things, uh, let us know at Best Film Ever Pod on Twitter because I think it's it's a bit of fabrication to make someone's life better than the ordinary, which I, I think would, she does consistently. I would argue that. The stuff that is supposed to be her imagination is very clearly animated differently to the real world. If you watch it back, you might again, you might not have noticed it if you were busy reading it, but the stuff that is her imagination is clearly animated whereas everything else in the film is shot real life so when she's imagining things they she turns into a puddle near the end she um her nightlight comes to life and moves so it's all things that are very clearly imagined whereas none of that was like that none of it none of, well, nothing inanimate said, moved but it was for the the guy though wasn't it the love interest what when the photos with the photo spoke yeah. to him and she wasn't there then. Yeah. So both of them, they're both imagining things. They're both dreamers. Can we just yeah, say yeah. that word to sort of catch, sort of yeah. as, a, as a bit of a catch-all? Yeah. Um, so that's a good introduction because the, we, we're certainly thereafter. We sort of introduced ourselves or we're introduced to Nino, N-E-N-O. I think that was the name of the... Uh, N-I-N-O, I believe. N-I-N-O? Yeah. Nino, anyway. Um, and Nino um, is scurrying under some photo booth you might get your passport photos taken out and Caesar and he kind of runs after somebody else we don't know why he's running after somebody else but he's running after them and he drops this book and he's unaware of it and whoever he's chasing is unaware of it but Amelie picks it up and sort of holds on to it um, and then oh I had something here and I've lost it and then we go back to the oh one of, one of the little side plots we go to the cafe and we find out that there's this guy and this guy's been used to date this woman named uh, Gina and as a result he just sits in the bar all day just watching watching her asking her really antagonistic questions <laughs> like creepy stalker level oh, he's stalking and her. recording he is stalking her and then he's making little notes in this tape recorder going 4.34pm yeah. post-coital <laughs> Um, cigarette or something like that, and uh, really, really quite um, intense, 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 and very much a nuisance. Yeah. And Amalie overhears her boss, whose name escapes me, Suzanne, Susanna, Suzanne, yeah. saying that all people need to fall in love is to think the other one likes them back and time. And so Amalie decides to take this literally and goes to um, the gentleman whose name is Joseph. And then goes to this woman who works at the cigarette counter, whose name is Georgette, not to be confused with uh, Gina. Georgette, who Georgette's a hypochondriac and always thinks she's sick, and tells them both that the other one likes them so much. And before too long, we start to see that sort of uh, sprout. And then the flip side, we have another subplot that's going on where Amalie is creating her own form of justice against a grocer who's mean to his... Um, assistant. Assistant, and his assistant has some physical challenges. Yeah, Lucien. And seems to work, yeah, Lucien. And seems to work really, really slowly. And Amelie sees him acting badly and starts this plan where she finds his key in the door. So she takes it and she copies it. And she holds on to it. She doesn't do anything the first time. And then when she doesn't be mean to him again, she goes into his apartment. And what are some of the things that she does there? She cuts his shoelace short, um, dims his lights. She sets his alarm to four o'clock. That's right. That's a lot Toothpaste of for foot cream. 
and puts a bunch of salt in the whiskey bottle. salt in the whiskey bottle. <laughs> and so then we get to see things. It's not too often we leave Amelie. Most of a movie we're positioned with her all the time. But we do get the next morning where he gets up and we, of course, hit to be that dramatic irony we talked about last week. Yeah. We get that bit where we know everything that's going to go wrong. And uh, so we, we sort of rejoice in watching him have every footstep done incorrectly. Um, and so we kind of get this little enjoyment that if he's going to pick on his assistant, that Amelie's going to be there as sort of the, uh, the judge and jury and executioner in this regard. It's a karma situation. That's right. And then we flip back to the cafe and we see the love sprouts between our stalker Joseph and Georgette start to flourish. And they're starting to have little moments. And then we find out Nino works in a sex shop. But he's not at the sex shop today. He's at the fun fair. <laughs> where I'm assuming he's the guy who works in the ghost train who breathes on her neck. He's yeah. a skeleton, yeah, yeah. She references that in the phone call they have later. Yeah. So she goes on the ghost train and there's, there's like a human interaction where one of the humans comes up and kind of breathes on her neck and she's supposed to be scared, but just the opposite. It turns into it this turns, point. It turns her on a bit. Tender, sensual yeah. kind of moment. Yeah. 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 And so... Um, on the way out, um, she leaves some photos on his, what is it, a scooter, a Vespa, a motorbike? A step through. <laughs> yeah, a little, 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 yeah, little pet. It's a motorized yeah. And sort of bike, begins this yeah. game of cat and mouse now where he's chasing her because she's being very enigmatic. And I'm trying to read the writing that I did when I was here. Um, she gives him some photos and writes on the end of one of them. Oh, oh that's right. She gets it, gives him back his book. There's this whole cat and mouse game where um, he follows clues. He follows clues and goes up these blue arrows and ends up being led to one of those viewing devices where he might overlook a harbor or a landmark. Binoculars. Yeah, yeah, binoculars. Yeah, I guess, but, but like permanently fixed binoculars, you would pay like money yeah. to go use. And um, looking over the uh, area, you see her, and she's waving the um, the book, the book of photographs. Uh, and the photographs, of course, are discarded photographs from all of these passport photos that he's been scourging underneath and staping together. And um, goes chasing after them and runs back to his bike and she's gone. But it's put photographs of herself in the book now with, with an invitation, do you want to meet me? And we see Amelie them continue to sort of meddle with people's lives. There's an old landlady whose husband ran away from her. And so she creates a fictitious love letter based on old love letters she had access to that lets her down a lot easier and has her stop hurting and pining. Yeah. And moves on. Let's the old lady move on, but move on believing a lie. Is yeah. that now if you're on a lee and you live in a world of imagination, this is okay. But But that's making her life better. Is it better if it, if it's a lie? As the audience, do we feel guilty or do we feel happy? Oh, I happy. Felt, I felt happy about Oh, I felt guilty. Did you? I there's felt no, happy about There's it. no way that she'll ever find out that it was a lie. Right, but does that make it right? Well, no, it doesn't In make this, it right. No, yeah, I think it does. But it's... Oh, it's it fixes it's making, a lifelong she's not, problem. She's not stuck in that rut anymore. She's not yeah. pining. She's not... The movie wants, wants me to believe for sure that it was the right decision. Without question, the movies tell me this is good. I just sat there going... Morally, probably not. But in yeah. the grand scheme of things, you know... To I move don't know on and feel can... better in yourself, why not? Because Amelie meddles. She does. She meddles, and um, she doesn't like it when she gets meddled back. <laughs> no, she's a bit of an issue with that. Um, 
So then we introduced, or at least further on, in the book of photographs, there was this guy whose face kept showing up. And Amelie and to a degree Nino start coming up with theories about who this guy is. Is he a guy without life? Is he a guy without soul? Is he is he dead? Is he is he sort of passing on his image from the afterlife so people know he's dead? Why does he keep taking photos of himself throughout time? And he's got red shoes, a red Converse shoes. You might call them red plimsolls. Is that what you might call them here? They, right they are just Converse. They were Converse All Stars. So. Oh, they? Okay. Yeah, excellent. Yeah. So these, but it became these trademark red shoes. And um, there's a scene where um, Amelie dresses up as Zoro and gets her picture taken for yet another of this cat and mouse game. She's she's playing with Nino, and the man with the red shoe shows up, and we get this look in. Um, Amelie's eyes that she's figured out what's gone on but this is one of the few times that she knows something and we don't get to know Yeah, we're kind of kept away from that one element it's a bit of a secret until later on and around this time dad starts getting photographs of his gnome all over the world starting with Russia yeah. he's in Moscow the gnome's in Moscow dad's going what am I trying to figure out what's going on and I think we need to remember that um, he tells uh, Amelie earlier in the film they always wanted to travel, travel yeah. but they couldn't because of Amelie and she tries to go well no you could and he goes ah, yeah. there's no point in it now no. is there what would I do um, and so there, it all builds towards this moment where Nino finally picks up on Amelie's clues and ends up at the restaurant and, uh, and again another situation where we feel we know more from someone else um, Georgette and the stalker, Joseph the stalker, their relationship has sadly come to an end. Yeah. And uh, he's starting to stalk two women now at the restaurant, <laughs> not just one. And she's turned back into a hypochondriac, which suggests all this meddling has an end date. Yeah. It suggests that all these it's things... It's temporary. Yeah, it, it, it doesn't work out permanently. It's just little little fixes. And he lets um, Amelie know that, yeah, um, Nino and Gina have gone out for the day. And we know from, from a, a different uh, scene that Gene is really just sort of uh, sourcing this guy out, sort of vetting him. Is he good enough for Amelie? But Amelie's heartbroken. And she has, I think you mentioned earlier, she melts like a puddle of water. And it's another one of those kind of in-her-own-head moments. But it is. And um, the glass man shows up. Uh, who she's been hanging out with most of the movie and tells her you need to stop being so cowardly. You do. Because um, she's good at meddling other people's lives, but as far as her own life goes, she doesn't really get involved. She's waiting forever for someone to find her, but won't take any steps. Yeah, go grab it now. Before it's too late. And then Nino gets another note, and it's that um, he needs to be at a certain place at a certain time, and he shows up there, and Amalia has put some washers or something in one of the photo booths. And reports it's broken. And we haven't really put two together yet. And then Nino shows up and runs and sees this guy. It's the mystery man. And the red shoes come out. And it turns out he's just the photo box repairman. And that's why so many photos. Because the last thing he has to do before he leaves the... Is take the photos. As the yeah. engineer, is take the photos and make sure it's working. So that's why there's all these photos of him with no expression on his face. Because he really doesn't care less that he's having this photo taken. Because it's just his job. Um... Relapsed, uh, and then the and then we can feel the film's coming to a conclusion because the gnome has returned. The gnome is home, and it's back on top of the shrine where it always was meant to be. Um, 
And then, you know, shows up at Amelie's apartment and gives her a note that says, I'll be back. I couldn't, <laughs> Get help, to the chopper. I couldn't help but read that in an voice. Get to the chopper. <laughs> yeah. The, Get the, down. the end felt very Bridget Jones's diary where Mr. Darcy leaves and she was running after him and where is he? Mm. And um, she gets one final message from the glass man on, on a TV tape that she's made. He's made for he's her made video tape that says, "Because the glass man is called the glass man because his bones are brittle, kind of like uh, oh, what's his name, Samuel Jackson uh, yeah. in Unbreakable. Unbreakable, and and later on Glass. Yeah. Um, and the idea was that uh, he can't go outside because it's so brittle. But if he says, Emily, if you keep letting people go by you, your heart will become as brittle as my bones are.'" And she kind of makes the decision, I'm going to go after him. She opens the door, flings it open. The music is starting to swell. And there is Nino, ready to, I guess, affirm the same thing. But they lay out the sound. We don't get really any sound. In a film that had so much score and so much sound and so many layers of sound and a narrator that disappeared about halfway through the film, uh, we have nothing at this point. But there's that beautiful moment. Yeah, it's just silence, yeah. Complete silence. Yes. Which, for people like me and you, who were reading half the movie, and going, I'm missing something. I appreciate that. I appreciate I can actually look and see what was going on. Yeah. It, it wasn't nearly that bad, folks. But, <laughs> but it, it was this... And I don't think he needed anything else. I think no. he's going to focus on the two of them express themselves in their very quirky, weird way. Uh, we find out they have this, uh, this weird, sensual, kissing, slow thing, and then we cut to the morning to assume they spent the night together. And then we have this montage of people whose lives have been affected in a positive way by Amelie. We have the author who finds some of his words spray-painted on a garage door, and that seemed to be enough for him. The fact that someone listened Someone's to him, acknowledged, acknowledged yeah. him and wrote him down. We get the boy who had the box, uh, the, the old man who found who was given back his, his toys yeah. with his grandson. He has made peace with his daughter, and he is, uh, he is returned. And then we have the glass man, who we didn't mention, but he was fixated on doing the same Renoir painting every year for 30 years. And 20. 20 years. 20 there we go. Fat check. <laughs> and then um, now he's finally moving on to do a new painting to show some sort of closure and. And did you notice peace. in the other painting they were kind of solemn? Yeah. And this and, one had joy. And and then the next painting, everyone had joy and smiles. Was I, this not the same painting that the. Yeah, I was about to say that's the yeah. same painting that. Um, was it Lucia? Lucia? Lucien, Lucien. It's the same painting he was doing. Yeah. yeah. So he's moved on to something else that he didn't necessarily think was worth doing, but has found found some joy in it. And Dad's making a phone call to the international airport because he's finally going to travel and do something. And Amelie and Nino are riding through the city, just having their quirky French New Wave filming style. Romance, where they're all quirky and happy. And the camera weird. work on that was great, though, isn't it? Well, we used to talk about throughout the whole film because um, if, if we move on to what we liked and we didn't like overall, uh, the cinematography is at the top of my amazing. list. Amazing. It just looked, I know Liam and I said a lot of things about not watching, but, <laughs> but more than once we stopped and went, This is just shot so well. So well. And there's like certain moments where the eye is drawn to where they want you to be drawn because um, you can see like there's more greys around the yeah. picture and the central part of it is colour. Very very used well with the blue, green, yellows, you know, sharp colours. All uh, very like primary colours, yeah, very bright. Very, very, yeah. and, and I liked how when 
um, the TV, for instance, that she watches is black and white, mm-hmm. but not always black and white. Yeah. Depending on the colour and how things are around it, you know, it draws the eye. It's very... I mean, I got the part of the whole film was just this yellow of green tinges. Yeah. And even that cafe. Pops of red. It just pops everywhere. Yeah. It was just so well done. I'm trying to remember the director's name. I, I didn't get the, the director of cinematography down, but the director is Jean-Pierre Junet. And just thought it was lovely. Mm. Really did. I and did there too. was something quite funny about a character as innocent as Nino. Uh, working in this debaucherous sex shop. And he's constantly going and asking the girls who he works with, hey, can you cover me for an hour? And they're in the middle of some sex okay. show with <laughs> yeah. actors. And he's just completely oblivious. Completely. Completely oblivious. Yeah. Cinematography was by Bruno Del Bono. Bruno Del Bono. And they were, Bonnell. Bonnell. What a cool if it was Bono. <laughs> Bruno Del Bonnell. And nominated for an Academy Award for that cinematography. I think very, very well... Um, deserved it's hard to talk about the acting to a, let me phrase that it's hard to talk about the line delivery from a lot of these actors A because it's a foreign language but B because I think the narrator did a lot of the heavy lifting yeah about telling us the character's wants and desires and motivations especially early on um and the use of so many montages as well, but it was always just looks and still and and things that were written down or photographs taken, and not so much lines. I would say it wasn't brilliantly acted, and I think um, Audrey Tattoo deserves all of her plaudits, and she was adorable. And also, it. she was very striking herself. So when you watch her walk through a street or anything, you can't miss her. She is drawn. You're drawn by your eye to her. I love that haircut. That kid, that was brilliant. That was iconic. I you love know? it. Yeah, I, I don't know if it'd be a word that would be overused, but but it definitely was. I mean, the the, the haircut is of the role. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's it's not of its time. It's a very much a throwback haircut, isn't it? Yeah, I think so. I might have my haircut like that. You might have your hair like that. Yeah. Okay. You so should. It's nice. <laughs> yeah. I might too. I might grow out into it. Yeah. I'm I'm okay. I'm gonna <laughs> no, I thoroughly enjoyed the acting on part of. Um, Emily thought it was absolutely phenomenal, especially all the, the little little looks. Again, you might have missed a couple of them if you were. Oh, you, no, reading. you're right. The looks. She, the it was little, all. She was more facial bits, yeah. rather than act. You know, like uh, speech. She was more reacting. Yeah. And... yeah. I think she said more of her looks than yeah. she did most of her words. Yeah. Um, it's it's because her whole character is the one who notices, right? Not the one who says a whole lot, but the one who notices and then acts kind you, of in the background. Do you know what would be quite interesting? To watch that film with no words, just like a silent movie. Okay. With the, with the music and still and stuff in it, but yeah. with just, just the visuals and see how much you pick up through that. I'd have been lost for... for I, I don't think I would have put, I would have picked it all up. It'd be a different film. Yeah. Yeah, it'd be a different film. Besides... Besides Audrey Tattoo as uh, Amelie, uh, anybody else's favorite character in the film? Uh, I liked the Gross's assistant Lucien. He was Lucien. he was really good. I liked him a lot. Um, just little bits and pieces. Obviously, he knew he knows at some point that he's being treated badly, and there's a couple of different looks to the camera. But obviously, it's actually looks to Amelie that we're not thoroughly seeing. Um, as if he knows what's going on but is kind of just putting up with it because he is disabled in some way he just thinks that's how he should be treated um, and there's a narrative there that's really really interesting 
no one really kind of stuck out for me. See, I think that's my thing with it too. I mean, uh, I like them all in their thing. I'm not going to glass for the moments he gave, and he's the only one who holds Amelie to account. Yeah. I like the storyline of the um, the matchmaking. Yeah. Uh, but I don't really like either one of the characters to that degree. Uh, Dad was... I wanted to like Dad. Yeah. I'm not sure I did. No. I, I think it's one of those uh, things where it's more of a character... I didn't like Nino that much. No. He was just a plot point. Yeah, he had not really much about him. I think the problem is when you have two characters as quirky and kind of dreamlike as the two of them were, uh, I think obviously you get to know the one who you get on the screen time with. And then it just becomes an, an end goal. And you know, usually it would be the man chasing after the woman. And so that's it's an interesting take on that. The fact that she pursues him. Um, but I think all things considered, I think the film's called Amelie. We didn't call it something else. It was about the character. And at the end of the day, that's what it really is. It's a character study. Maybe more of it, it is a great story. It's a really interesting character. Yeah. 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 It's a completely different perspective on life. Yeah. And it was, uh, I thoroughly enjoyed it. I think it's one of those things about, you know, dreamers. <laughs> dreamers. What did, uh, the, one, the one character says, as he's sitting there, you know, life is wasting the days away to ignore the fact that the days are flying by so quickly. Something like that. To ignore the fact that the days are wasting away, something like that. And I think it's the choice of, you know, to dream versus to to not dream. And I guess we're back to the story about the letter. Would you prefer the lie? If the lie is more interesting, if the lie is more palatable, if the lie is a better. If the if the lie is not affecting anyone other than yourself, and you're not going to find out about that lie, but it's helping you move forward. I can't see how. That's Absolutely, I'd rather thing. I'd rather that. And even then, years down the line, if you then found out that it wasn't true, if you can then go back and realise what it what that lie gave you it in takes that moment, you out of that. then it's yeah. worthwhile and beneficial in all of those things. Anyway, that's what I think. Yeah, yeah, it's just an interesting kind of thing to sort of um, leave us on. So, um, any any other closing thoughts? The uh, the music I thought was really quite. I mean, it was all very Parisian, wasn't it? Yeah. It was all very. French New Wave, it could have been any French film ever, but I don't think that necessarily is a disservice. No. No, I think it, it fit well, and it knew when to cut out, and knew when to swell, and it, yeah. it fit the film well. So, yeah, I think all in all. So, uh, let's, if we had some, let, let's, do the, uh, let's do the How Old game, shall we? Because oh, I mean, best role ever. I mean, we're just going to say for everybody, it was their best role ever, because we haven't seen any of these any, people in any other films. Else? No. Have we? No. I'm not familiar with any of these French actors. Uh, okay, so if we start with Audrey Tattoo, Amelie herself, how old is she? In the film, I'm assuming. Twenty-three. Or, or uh, when she's shooting the film. When she's shooting the film, um, yeah, twenty-five. Yeah, a split, split the difference. It's twenty-four. Oh, well. what about nice. what about Nino? Twenty-seven. Ooh, older. Mm. Or might go a bit older. Thirty. Twenty-eight. Oh, that's a... 33. I don't know Ooh. who gets the win on that because Georgia kind of went <laughs> Georgia kind of went a little bit young and then went a little bit old. So she was kind of the most furthest away and the closest at the same time. <laughs> I, I like the way you play this game. <laughs> I'll <laughs> be the winner bets. and the loser. It's fine. Um, what about uh, let's do her dad. Who, by the way, is just named Rufus. That's not the character's name. That's the actor's name. One name, Rufus. Rufus. So there's Madonna, there's Cher, and, and there's Rufus. Rufus. And Beyonce, come on. And Beyonce. Well, Beyonce and Noel. We, we all know Beyonce was Beyonce and Noel, yeah, yeah. don't we? No, but she's Beyonce. And Beyonce always. 
Okay. Okay, so Rufus. How old's the Rufus? 56. 60. 59. Very close on that one. And finally, the Glass Man. Glass Man. Oh, he's... 67. 72. And it's 69, dudes. Ooh. Hey, look at that. I went from, if you go yeah, Rufus yeah. as a villain's head reference, yeah. we sort of worked in a couple things there. Uh, you have no idea what it said. No, I do. I'm aware of it. Do you know villain? Yeah, you know villain's head? Aware of. Not. Okay. Not at some point, that's got to make an appearance yeah. here. Villain's head. The first one. The second one. I mean, death's good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just a different kind of film. Isn't yeah, it? different kind. Yeah. All right. So at that point, then, this is the time when we, you know, shake up um, Amelie and go... So what do you think? What's the number? Where are we putting this at? Where are we putting this at? Georgia, as the as the as the person in f- the fact checker chair, yes, as our as our illustrious guest. <laughs> Any thoughts? Uh, what we what are you rating out of? It's just out of ten, ten. and we and we do include half points. Half, yeah. Do include half points. Include How half very points. generous of you. That means I would give it. A There's a lot of sarcasm from fact checking. There is a lot of sarcasm. I have to say. I know. <laughs> fact check girl is very very tired today. Yeah. Very very tired. So what's the number out of ten? Solid eight point six. Oh, it's a half point. Half. I know that's why I'm going really. You're breaking the, the breaking, breaking the code. Breaking the law. <laughs> yeah. Liam, what do you think? I'm going to be controversial here, only because, I mean, visually as a film, I loved it. I loved the visuals of it. But I struggled to follow at parts. Um, it wasn't my kind of movie. I kind of saw things coming and other bits I didn't. So I was kind of confused for most of the film. So I'm going to say six and a half. Oh, six and a half. Okay. Uh, I'm going to say I feel very similar to the way I felt during Breakfast at Tiffany's. Yeah. Where I was going, I was told this was a really, really good film, a really great film even. Um and found myself going, it's a really interesting character study. And I don't know if it's just in film. And again, it's that girl who's so quirky. I think this had more substance and depth than Breakfast at Tiffany's did. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, I'm going to go seven and a half. Ooh. Yeah, it was all right. Yeah, it was good. Yeah, it was good. Yeah. No. It was good. I would tell someone, yeah, it's, 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 it's worth a watch. Six and a half in bed. So we said, we both went eight and a half on Back to the Dress to 17. Yeah. Uh, six and a half and seven and a half get us to 14, although we do acknowledge fully the 8.6. 8.627. From, from, from the 8.67? 8.627. 8. 8.627 from the fact checker chair. So that's what we thought of Amelie, folks. And this is your chance if, you, if you're so inclined. Where do you sit? Are you more like Liam going, yeah, didn't, didn't really quite um, get behind it? No. Uh, me, where I'm going, it was all right. It was all right. Or, or Georgia, who's saying, it seems like you really like the film. I've gone, it's shot straight to like top five films. Oh, time. Yeah. Really? I'm Thoroughly enjoyed it. I think it's a more modern, slightly more realistic retelling of Alice in Wonderland. It's very, very similar. House in Wonderland. Yeah, there's similar vibes to that. And I can relate. I really like it. Next time around, Liam, what, where are we going with this? What is the next film? Well, it was a, a flip of a coin of two different films and I didn't know whether to stay with the French feel or to go a bit more avant-garde so I've gone for In Bruges In Bruges? yeah oh have you seen In Bruges before? never seen it see I have seen In Bruges before no and listen to the excitement in my voice I am well <laughs> up for talking about In Bruges oh cool Oh, In Bruges is going to be interesting. Yeah? Because In Bruges is a bit out there. Okay. It's a bit out there, but I mean, this is just some, some great 
some great, great, great acting. Cool. In that so I look um, forward to it. So that was Amelie from us. Uh, In Bruges is next. You've got some time if you want to go ahead and uh, give that a watch. Very highly recommended. Any questions on Amelie or thoughts of getting early on In Bruges? Throw it on to the Twitter, which was uh, at Best Film Ever Pod or Best Film Ever Pod at Gmail dot com. Uh, I've been Ian, and I've been Liam. Oh, I get to do it. Yeah. I'm Georgia. Oh, the sarcasm's gone. The sarcasm's gone. <laughs> you actually what? acknowledged me. Oh, no, <laughs> <laughs> We're in the gang. And we will catch you next time, not from Paris, but from Bruges. Where we're going, you don't need roads. <laughs> you can't, you can't <laughs> leave with that every do, time. It could be like a quotable corner for for Amalie. What would I say? Je peux I'll tell you something though. I didn't say too many yeah yeah yeahs this time. Oui oui oui. No, we only got two. So no, none in that last bit. Woo! Come on. And we'll end it there. <laughs> <laughs> I thought we were still recording. <laughs>